Numbers chapter number 13. We're going to take just a week off of the book of uh, Romans this week and not uh, continue our study there. I just want to go to the book of Numbers and just with uh, being our one year anniversary here and I just wanted to just preach a message on faith. I've been studying just in my own life about faith and trusting God and and, uh, just depending upon Him. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say. It's not always easy to do, though, is it? Just to trust Him. Numbers chapter 13, it's a, it's a story with the children of Israel that it, uh, it's interesting. And I think it's uh, many lessons that we could learn. I don't have the time to read through two entire chapters here in the Bible, 13 and 14. But we're going to look at these two chapters, chapters number 13 and chapters 14. To begin chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, we find in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all through, through uh, all those men were heads of the children of Israel. And we find the next several verses are the names of these men. And so he sends 12 12 spies. Their their job was to go into the promised land and spy it out. And just to simply come back and give a report, Moses says, I I want you to go tell us what the land looks like. I want you to go tell us what the people are like. I want you to go tell us what's in the land, what the walls are like. And in in uh, chapter 13, he tells the, the spies, he says, I just want you to go spy out the land, give a report, come back. And tell us what we're to expect. And so they went up, the Bible says, in verse number 21, and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as the uh, men cometh from Hamath. And they assembled by the south and came into Hebron. And we find that they, they, they go and they see all the, the things of the land and they next several verses they come back in verse number 26. And when they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and all the congregation of children of Israel unto the wilderness of Prana and to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the, first, this is the fruit of it. So they, they come back and say, It's exactly as good as we thought it was. It's flown with milk and honey and Here's the fruit, and boy, what a wonderful land it was. And you would think that just after that, they'd say, let's go. But after they get done telling the people how good the land was, now all of a sudden they say this, but there's giants. They're big. And we're just small compared to the size of those people. We're a small group, and they're a large group. We're small in stature, and there's giants there. The walls are big. Then they get to all of the things why they can't take the land. What's interesting in this portion of Scripture is this. God never told those 12 spies to go back and give a report if they can take the land or not. He simply said, come back and give a report of what the land looks like. The land was already the people's. They didn't have to decide in their hearts, can we do this? It wasn't for them to question, can we possess this land? They were supposed to, by faith, just follow God. 
They weren't supposed to come back and, and say all the negative. They were supposed to come back, and if they were going to mention the giants, their, uh, their attitude should have been, but God is going to overcome. If they mentioned the tall walls, they were to say that God was going to overcome. They were supposed to come back, give a report, so the people would know how God was going to work to give them this land. They come back, and they discourage the people, and some Really, some negative things happen. The people get discouraged. Matter of fact, the people get to the place where they're ready to stone Moses and Aaron. They're upset, and they say to Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to just die in the wilderness. You brought us out of where we were. And they forget they were under bondage. They forget they were uh, under oppression. They were getting beaten, and, and, and they had no life. They had no liberty. They were simply slaves in Egypt. And now they find themselves thinking that's better than what God wants to give them. They say to Moses, you brought us out here to die. You take us out of Egypt, you bring us into this desert, you show us the promised land, and it's too big for us to take, so we're just going to die here in the wilderness. God gets upset. Verse number 11 of chapter 14, God says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. It's like God saying this, why do they question me? Everything I've done for them in their life. Don't they remember the plagues? Don't they remember the Red Sea? Don't they remember the cloud? Don't they remember the fire? Don't they remember all the things I've done? They've gone through. They've never been without. I've given them water. I've given them food. I've given them protection. Everything I've done for them, why would they doubt me now? You know, if we're not careful, we look at the children of Israel and say, how could they doubt God? In reality, we could look back at all God's blessings in our life and ask the same question. Why would we ever doubt God? We've seen him bless. We've seen him supply. And God's at a place now in chapter 14 where he's upset with the people. Moses intervenes and he prays and he asks for uh, the Lord not to, not to destroy the people and, and um we find that the, the, uh, the people then say, you know what, we're going to go up and we're going to fight. And God says, no, no, it's too late now. Now everyone that's 20 years and younger, they'll go in and they'll fight. But everyone that's 20 years and older, they're going to stay in the wilderness. And when they're all dead, those 20 and younger will go and possess the land. You know, it's interesting as we study chapter 13 and 14, it was not God's desire for the people to just wander in the wilderness for 40 years. God had a purpose for them. God had a plan for them. God wanted them to trust him. They lacked faith. And they weren't able to see what God wanted them to see. God had the promised land, and instead of the ones that were 20 years and older going and possessing this land, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They died, and then the people got to see the land. I want to start this morning with my conclusion. I know everyone just got excited. Does that mean we're going to be done? I'm going to start with my conclusion. My conclusion would be this after the message this morning. I pray whatever God has for us in this next year, this upcoming year, we'll trust him and we'll allow him to increase our faith.
And I want you to think about that conclusion to the message as I look at these things this morning and share some thoughts with you this morning. I pray, I pray we've seen God bless and God work and God supply over this last year. I pray that whatever God has for us in this upcoming year, this next year, year two of, of our ministry here, I pray that we'll trust him and I pray that we'll allow our faith to increase. Listen to me, Christian. God desires for every single child of his, their faith to be increased. We're not to stay stagnant. We're not to stay comfortable. The reality is this, if we could pick our life, we would pick the most comfortable areas of our life. How many of you ever dreamed about what a perfect life would be like? Huh? Just a few of you? How many of you, your life didn't end up as perfect as you dreamed it would? Huh? See, sometimes we look at positive things and then we look at things, trials, and we look at those trials and they interrupt us and we get upset with them. But you know, sometimes, sometimes God uses those giants and those walls for his own good. And not only for his own good, he uses them for our good as well. I want to say thank you to our church for following the Lord this past year. And you know, no, no church, no church is ever ready to go through a change in leadership. You can know it's coming, you can prepare for it, but the reality is this, no church is ever ready for that. We like church, that's why we come to a church. There's things we like about it and things that we enjoy about it. We as a church, we don't want change. We don't want things to be interrupted. We don't want things to be different. And in and, and every church, every church that goes through transition, that goes through change, no matter how well they think they've prepared, the reality is this, change is always hard. Change is always difficult. And I want to commend our church for staying faithful, for staying true to the word of God. I want to thank our church for loving their church and our church for loving our family. Nobody likes change. None of us like our lives to be interrupted. We like to get a system. And we like to stick with that system. And we don't like interruptions. And when interruptions come, it causes a sense of fear Fear for the unknown. And none of us like to live a life fear of the unknown. Afraid of what is going to happen. Afraid of what's going to be different. Afraid of the unknown. And, and if we're not careful, we can have fear of that unknown. But you know what I've learned? Change, it's inevitable. And we're always going to face change as long as we have life. Every one of us. Every one of us are going to go through changes. Every one of us, as long as we have life, things in our life are going to constantly be changing and constantly have transitions. Now, I, want us to, I want to give you four things here this morning, and then we're going to partake of the Lord's table here. And I just want you to think through these things, write these things down, meditate on these things, and ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life as we look at Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. We find in thir chapter 13 in verse number two, we've seen this, and I've preached out of this book of, uh, this book and this chapter before, but I notice these words, and each time I read this chapter, I find these words. I have them circled in my Bible, so it brings my attention to these words constantly when I read through this, but I find this in verse number two, the Bible says, which I give unto the children of Israel. 
And then we find in, in uh, verse number eight, we find that land which he gives. The Bible says, if the Lord delight in us, chapter 14, verse number eight, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. And he tells us about this land. He says, the land which I give unto the children of Israel in chapter 13, what is that land? What's it look like? And the Bible says in verse eight of chapter 14, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Well, it sounds like a good land, doesn't it? I mean, in Egypt, everything they had, they had to work for. There was nothing that was theirs. Everything belonged to Pharaoh. Everything belonged to the Egyptians. Everything was, was somebody else's. And, and, and they had to depend upon the Egyptians for any supply. Everything they had, the Egyptians could take. They were servants in that land. They were hostages in that land. The land was not theirs. Nothing was theirs. At any moment, anything they had could be taken by Pharaoh or the Egyptians. Then they get themselves into a, a desert area, and there's a lot of sand and even more of it down the road. There's no uh, honey. There's no milk. There's no oasises. They are just living in tents out in the hot, the heat of the desert. Not a very good place to be. And God's desire was not for them to stay in Egypt. And God's desire was not for them to stay in the desert. His desire was them to conquer the promised land, to get into the promised land. And that land was flowing with milk and honey. That land was flowing with fruit. That land was flowing with goodness. And I want you to write this this morning down. When God allows changes in our lives, it's always for our good. God allows changes and it's for our good. You see, when we see, though, when we see the complications and we see the giant and we see, we see the walls and we see the hindrances and we go and we evaluate, even though the, the, the land is flowing with milk and honey, a lot of times when we see changes in our life, we don't see what God's doing. We see the hindrances. We see the interruptions. We see the giants, we see the large walls, we see our, our insecurities, we see our flaws. And God's not desiring for us to see the giants. He's not desiring for us to get, to get, uh, uh, to, to get to discouraged by the walls. He's not desiring for us to depend upon our insecurities and our flaws. He's desiring for his people to step out by faith and trust him even when life looks difficult. God is always working in our life. The Christian life is always a life of increasing faith. God allows things in your life. There are some things that maybe God has allowed in your life, and you would think this, if I ever thought before this happened, if I ever thought that this was going to happen, I don't know if I could get through this. I don't know if I could endure this. If I would have known before this happened that this was going to happen, I would have told you there's no way that I'd get through this. But I want you to know this. No matter what God has put in your life, he has also given you the strength to get through that trial. No matter what giant, no matter what wall, no matter what circumstance you have faced, God desires for your faith to be increased so he can work in your life. You see, what we find here is this, that God uses change for our good. The people, their life was changing. We're not in Egypt anymore. We're not going to be in the desert anymore. 
And when we look and we see the work that's involved and the trials that are involved and the burdens that are involved, we need to look past those and know that God is allowing change in our life for good. I want you to see in verse number, chapter number 14, in verse number 8 and 9, the Bible tells us this land that floweth with milk and honey. And the Bible says this in verse 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the people of Israel. Verse number 9, he says, don't rebel. Don't, don't rebel against what the Lord's doing. He said, don't fear the people of the land. Don't, don't fear them. Just realize this. Yeah, they're giants, and yes, they're big, and yes, those walls are great, and yes, we're just small, and yes, we're just grasshoppers in their sides, but don't fear them. And secondly, I want you to write this down. God uses changes in our life to increase our faith. God's desire is for you as a child of God to continue to grow in your, your faith. You know, praying for faith is like praying for patience. Have <laughs> you ever prayed for patience and then almost sorry you did after you did? Yeah. You see, we as, as, as human beings, we like to get comfortable. Everything just planned out. You know, we've got our planners, we've got our schedules, we've got our thoughts, we've got our desires. We, we, we've got everything arranged in life the way we, 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 we are comfortable with it. The problem is this, if we can plan it and we can do it and our strength is sufficient, then we don't need faith. And the reality is this, God says that by, without faith, it's impossible to please God. A Christian that's not increasing is in his faith. He, that Christian is not growing. It takes faith as a Christian, and God desires us to increase our faith, and God uses changes. You see, when changes happen in our life, when things go different than we had planned, when we have to face things that we're not ready for, what it does is it forces us to depend upon God. It forces us to look to Him. I think it's good. I think God allows. I think God wants every one of us in our life at certain points to get to a place where we can't figure it out, where we don't have all the answers, where we don't have all the resources, where our plans are going to fail, where we don't have the answer. We have to come to a place where we say, I can't do this, but God, you can. I can't defeat these giants, but God, you can. I can't go through these walls, but God, you can. It is imperative. It is vital for every Christian to come to these places in their life. That is where your faith increases and we learn to depend upon God. You see, but most of us don't like that because we want to control. And when we get up against and pressed up against an obstacle in our life or a, a problem in our life or a situation in our life that we can't handle it, the first thing we want to do is just resist it and walk away from it. 
Make excuses why we can't accomplish it. Make excuses because there's giants. Make excuses because they're walls. You know, God wasn't looking for them to muster up the strength in their resources to defeat those giants. God wasn't looking for them to muster up the strength in their own resources to defeat those walls. God wasn't looking for them to get enough security in themselves to be able to defeat these enemies. God was looking for them to depend upon Him to do it. You see, God allows changes in our life so that our faith is increased. I want you to look with me in chapter 14. Look look in verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Look in verse number 27 of the same chapter. How long shall I bear with the evil congregation with murmurings against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fail, shall fall in this wilderness and all, all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me. You know, I want you to see here, God uses change to increase her faith and not trusting Him is sin. You see, every one of us are going to come against giants. Every one of us are going to come against change. Every one of us is going to come against transitions in our life. Every one of us are going to view those things and it's not the way we had it planned. It's not what we desired. It's not the way we want it. And we have two options. We can either trust God and believe that He can. Our faith would be increased. He would be able to do it. Or the second option, which I don't believe is an option for a Christian, and that is this, rebel against God. You know what's sad is I read these portions of Scripture here in these two chapters, specifically the verses we just read, there were those adults that were 20 years and older. They missed out on what God had for them. I would hope that there's not a person in this room that would say this, I'm willing to miss out on God's will for my life because of sin. I hope there's no one in this room that sin would be so pleasurable, that sin would be so enticing, that sin would be the better option than trusting God. But for these that were 20 years and older, God had a plan. It was a change. It was something different. It wasn't what they thought they could do. There was giants. There was trials. There was walls. They were grasshoppers. They were insecure. But but God was not doing all of that in their life so they would rebel. God was doing all that in their life so they would trust. And God isn't putting change in your life. And God is not putting change in our church. And God is not putting change in your family so that you can rebel and turn inward in sin and run from God. What God is doing is God is putting change and God is putting giants and God is putting walls and God is putting problems that have to be tackled so that you know I can't do this in my own strength, but I serve a God that can and my faith must be increased so I depend upon Him to answer those questions in my life that I don't know the answers to. To get the victories in life that I in my own strength can't have. See, God uses change to increase our faith. In verse number 24 of chapter 14, if you'll read that with me, we find a man by the name of Caleb. 
Caleb and Joshua were the two spies that when they came back, they said, I don't care what's there. This is our land. Let's go do it. I don't care how big the giants are. This land, God said, is ours. Let's go get it. I don't care what the trials are, what the problems are. God said this is ours. It's ours. Let's go take it. We find God notices Caleb's heart. And he says this, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. There's something interesting about that verse. God said, I'm going to bless Caleb for his spirit. And you notice at the end of that verse, he said, and his seed shall possess it. His family, his children, his lineage, his grandchildren. Those that are looking to him for leadership, they are going to have the blessing of this land. And thirdly, I want you to write this down, church. God uses change for our children's sake. God allows change in your life, adults, so your children can see God work. You see, sometimes God puts you through some things so your children realize who God is. Sometimes God will put a tragedy or sometimes God will put a a circumstance. Sometimes God will put a wall. Sometimes God will put a giant. He doesn't put it there so that you resist. He put it there because there's a generation that's looking to you. Every single person in this church must understand that there is a generation of children that's looking to the adults of this church. How are you going to behave when trials come? How are you going to behave when change comes to our life? How are you going to behave when uh, giants come? How are you going to behave through burdens? How are you going to behave through conflict? Are you going to run? Are you going to hide? Are you going to deal with it in your flesh? Or are we going to trust God? And I would submit church, we must trust God because there's a generation behind us that's looking to us for leadership. Oh, Caleb was blessed. And not only was Caleb blessed, his his children were blessed. His grandchildren was blessed because Caleb had the right spirit through change. See, God uses change. For our children. You know, the great, the generation behind us, they need to see great faith. The generation, your children, they need to see a mom and dad. They need to see a church. They need to see a youth department. They need to see a children's ministry. They need to see Monclove Road Baptist Church. They need to see your home, a home of great faith. They need to see that you're facing the impossible, that you are going to face a giant, that you're facing obstacles that you didn't ask for, that you didn't want. They need to see that you don't have the answers, but they need to see that the God that you worship, the God that you serve, the God that we obey, even though we don't have the answers, he has the answers. And they need to learn to trust him by our example. You know what is a shame these that were 20 years and younger, they went into this promised land knowing this, that their fathers rebelled against God. Could you imagine that testimony? And then you've got a man named Caleb who his children went into this with him. 
Oh, listen to me. I hope, I hope, I hope that my children serve the Lord one day. I hope that my, my children, all five of them, have a desire to serve the Lord, love the Lord, and live lives of great faith. But I don't want them to do it uh, because I've failed and I've sinned. I want to do that alongside of them one day. I want to serve alongside of them one day. I want to serve the same God. I want to worship the same God. I want them to be side by side serving the Lord, seeing great things done, seeing the power of God in their lives. I want to serve God with my children. Caleb had that opportunity. Because Caleb's spirit was right during change, he had the opportunity to serve with his children when the time came. Do you realize that? There was no other child that got to take on the new land with their parent except for Joshua and Caleb. There was no one else that got to say, you know, 40 years ago when we spied out this land, I, I realized that God was going to work. I realized that God was going to give us this land. I realized that God was going to bless. And now we are here together serving the Lord together. Not one father got to experience the joy of God's provisions with their children because they rebelled. Listen to me, parents. Realize that sometimes God puts things in your life not to destroy you, not to defeat you, not to discourage you, but God put them there so that you would have great faith so your children would see an example of what great faith looks like. Be careful. Be careful, parents, when you come home and there's a trial at work, and you rip your boss apart, and you rip your work apart, instead of saying, you know what, there's an obstacle, and there's a trial, and the reason why this is here, children, is because God's a great God, and we're going to pray, and we're going to fast, and we're going to see God work. Instead of looking at the fleshly side of conflict, look at the positive, look at what God's doing, and show your children that God's a big God. Have a situation with a co-worker. Show your children that God is a big God. Have a situation with the child's teacher. Instead of ripping that teacher apart, instead of trying to take sides, instead of trying to look at the negative, try, instead of trying to, 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 to stand in the way of God working, trust God. Realize this. Hey, there's a complication. There's a situation. There's a problem. And I'm going to show you this, that we don't have the answers and we don't have the strength, but God's allowing this so that we can trust him further. Use every trial, use every conflict, use every problem in your life to teach your children to trust God. Don't waste an opportunity. Because that opportunity you waste, that opportunity you don't use, could be the one that your child needed the most. You know, God puts authority in your children's life. And any parent that wants God's will for their child's life needs to teach them to respect that authority and trust that authority. And show them that God can use conflict and God can use what we perceive as difficult to increase our faith. Lastly, I want you to see this in chapter 14 and verse number 21. I'll start in verse number 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Verse 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. You know, lastly, God uses change for his glory's sake.
God may be changing some things in your life. God may be putting some things in your life that you don't like. God may be putting giants in walls. God may be putting conflict. God may be putting trials. God may be putting difficulties there so that he receives glory from your life. If God wants to work in your life so that others see your life and through your life they see Jesus Christ, why would we not want that? God forbid that we've gotten to the place that when God wants to work in our life, we resist. God forbid that we get so selfish in our living that when God desires to work, we resist. God forbid that God wants to use his children so he receives glory and we say, God, not me. No conflict, no trials, no giants, no walls. God says, I use conflict, I use trials, I use change, I use transitions, I use problems, I use giants, I use these things in your life so that you trust me, and in you trusting me, the world gets to see who I am. Or are you living a life in such a way that when trials come, you deal with them in your flesh, or you deal with them in such a way where all around says, what a great God. That person has. What a great God. Not look at his faith and look how good he is, but look at the faith he has in a great God. See, God allows change. God allows change for our good. God allows changes for, to increase our faith. God uses change for our children's sake. And God allows change and uses change so he receives glory. In verse number 9 of chapter 14, I want to finish with this. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Church, don't rebel against God. Because the task at hand is hard. Parents, don't rebel against God. Because the task at hand is hard. You know, life is full of difficulty, change. But God uses that for his glory. Don't rebel against life. Don't rebel against God because life gets hard. Trust him. Increase your faith. Believe he can do it. And watch him do it. Don't miss what God has and rebel because it's not what you want. Accept it. By faith, live it and let God accomplish what he desires.